Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show on AM 1000 in Orange and San Diego counties and on AM 930 in Los Angeles County. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you through the good offices of Relevant Radio from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick. And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today is a friend of the program that we have on every year about this time, and we're talking about a very important event that comes up in the Diocese of Orange and really all of Southern California, and that is the Catholic Man of the Year. Sheila Beingessner, our guest, I want to thank you for coming in to talk with us. Welcome, Sheila. Thank you. Sheila, first things first, if you would be so kind as to open us with a brief word of prayer, I think we would all be appreciative. Okay, and according to our theme this year, I would like to say the Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Amen. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. Perfect prayer. And a perfect prayer because of a number of reasons, including, you said it's the theme this year. Well, yeah, I decided because of sometimes, the secular world is sometimes getting crazier and crazier. And... (laughs) I particularly thought so many of, examples yes. come to buy this week. <laughs> yes, but I particularly thought of we had the gift of fatherhood as our theme. I think last year, but God's vision for fatherhood came to me mainly because of 2020, 2020 vision. Yeah, 2020 vision. If, yeah. And I think we need to get our glasses adjust to 2020 vision this and looking 2020. at <laughs> yes yes <laughs> but not this program <laughs> yeah we need to <laughs> we need to adjust our vision to to get back to 2020 vision to see things clearly we're seeing black as white and white as black and it's you know we're choosing whatever gender we want to be that's not god's vision for fatherhood we have a very interesting situation in our society right now where uh, who we are as human beings has been challenged at a, at a core level. Yes. And um, one of the things that we forget, and this is, I don't want to go into the weeds, but I'm finishing up a doctoral program and I'm studying safely dead people. So my f- person is Tertullian, who lived about the year 200 in Carthage under Roman rule. And his big thing was that we'd already had apologists out there who were talking about, please don't kill us all in the Catholic Church. He was out there saying, kill us if you want. We are what you need. He was out there, you know, far from a Benedict option of let's all kind of of just withdraw from society. He was out there. No, no, we're in your face. We're here. We're and we are exactly what the Roman culture needs because God, in the fullness of time, gave us the truth. When we were ready to handle it, we're ready to handle it now, and you're getting it. And that's what came to the world uh, two thousand years ago. I think and, I just found a new best friend, Tartuli. <laughs> he is great. <laughs> He was considered a heretic for many, many years. I think he's in the process. I think he's in the process of being rehabilitated. Now, he had some some strange beliefs from our perspective as he got older, partly because there was a a trend out there that had to do with the Holy Spirit, but in a way that 
that made you choose between following the administration of popes and bishops versus what someone guided by the Holy Spirit would say, and the Holy Spirit would never do that. But at the time, in 200, there were a lot of things that were very up in the air and just being finalized and finished and looked at. So he got kind of off to the side later in his writings. Mm -hmm. So that's why he's not St. Tertullian. But there's a lot of his writings that were used by St. Cyprian. He called him the the master from his earlier writings. They were used by by Jerome. They were used... uh, uh, He was the first one to come up with a reasonable Trinity formula. It wasn't perfect. We don't. We have to wait another 200 years for that. But he's the first one to do that. I mean, we have so many things that... The reason why I'm saying that is because what was brought to the world 2,000 years ago was a clarity of what God's plan was. And we're losing it right now. Yeah. Well, that's it, the purpose of this 2020 vision. Yeah. When I look at things, too, Rick, it's like, how did we get so far away from the simplicity of how God chose to even come into the world through a family, and he needed Joseph, albeit a stepfather position. He needed the father figure. Let's go to Joseph for just a moment and the whole situation that he inherited. As we look at Joseph's position and the dreams that he was allowed to have, two things always shout at me from those stories about Joseph. Number one... He never questioned God. In fact, never said a word. <laughs> you look throughout all the scripture, you will never find a quote from St. Joseph. He never talks back to God. But once he's got his marching orders from God, he carries them out and is going to be the man who's going to save Mary and Jesus, the man who's going to make sure that this ministry is not snuffed out at the at the killing of the innocents in, mm-hmm. in, uh, under Herod. Uh, he's going to protect them as they go into Egypt and then back up to Nazareth. This is a man who is faithful, but faithful in, number one, waiting for God to, to, to give him clear marching orders, and number two, executing them silently, quietly, without fanfare. And that is so thematic of how I've seen the Catholic Man of the Year play out over the years. These are men who believe they have the marching orders from God through the Catholic Church. Yes, you've, an, you've attended one. Rick. I've attended a couple, yeah. And um, every, even the men who attend because they're nominated come away with such an awe of all the other men that are there and listening to what they've done for the church and how God is using them in a very healthy way, not using them to do evil, but using them to be his outreach to the, to his people. And these are usually very humble men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's funny because some of these men are very, very, very accomplished in many things that they do. We've had internationally renowned doctors and and legal scholars and, and litigants, people who have gone to, to bat for yes. the faith in ways that are just worldwide. And we've had people win this honor, win is the wrong term, recognized yes. for their for their How God is working in their lives as well. Who are like simply working in a parish and doing their thing. We we had one, was it last year, who was uh, physically challenged, dramatically physically challenged. Mm, two years ago. Yes. Two years ago. And was nominated for the work that he does in the parish, most of which was supporting other people 
by his presence. Greeting people, making them feel yeah. welcome when they get to Mass. Just all the little things at, at Crisillo meetings or weekends, he would be helping in the kitchen, helping clean the restrooms, making everything. I mean, he was doing what God wanted him to do. So I want to get into a little bit more about uh, how St. Joseph Radio got involved with this, with the Diocese of Orange and the growth of this Catholic Man of the Year uh, annual dinner. But I, I want to spend just another moment or two talking about what this means for these men. So you usually have men in the in this this echo of Joseph who are, have heard what the Catholic Church wants of them and their responses, usually behind the scenes. Yes. Often without any fanfare, often without any thanks. They they truly are. Some of what we judge by are the the values and of Saint Joseph and his titles, uh, foster father, defender of the faith, defender of the church, protector of the family, all those things which you see in men and which you should see in men. And sometimes in our world today, we're not seeing a lot of that. At least it's not being recognized. It does exist within the church, but um, it's just not um, recognize they don't they don't get the headline news let's put it that way well and if anything there the trend right now is to almost penalize men for being manly for looking at the great examples of Joseph and being like him has become something that uh, is looked at by some as paternalistic when there is nothing paternalistic about doing what you're called to do I look back and I say, how did, when someone asked Jesus, how should we pray? He said, we should pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven. And why? That even to Jesus, he realized that paternity, that father, uh, paternal aspect needed to be recognized. And because he, our God is like our father, our priesthood, the priesthood that we have is like a fatherhood of the faith also. That's why it's so important, and that's why there was a declaration that you know, a woman can't become a priest. You know, for all of the people who look at the God of the Old Testament, who will say, misguidedly, by the way, but they will say how cruel he could be or how uh, he could order the, the deaths of people, whole groups of people, there are so many things that go into those stories that come out of the early books of the Old Testament that require a great deal of theological plumbing, so to speak. But if we look at the example we see when we are confronted with God the Father in the New Testament, for example, when we see him twice uh, in the context of Jesus, once at his baptism and once at the transfiguration, we have this loving Father overhead who says, this is my beloved Son. His, his first words are to say, I'm giving you a gift of my Son whom I love. Where's the abuse of that? <laughs> With whom I am well pleased, the praise that's there for his son and in how he is ministering and going and about to go about ministering. That was what the baptism was all about. And then he's now at the Feast of Booths, which is what you do just before harvest. And I've always wondered why the church has never really dedicated much of a of a holiday to the Feast of Booths. We do Easter just fine. <laughs> and we do Pentecost just fine. We don't do Booths very much. But anyway, the transfiguration where he says, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Mm -hmm. Do what he's telling you to do. That's 
the father figure that we're supposed to be looking at. For all the people who have had horrible fathers, I am so sorry. And I was blessed with two fathers. I grew up as a Protestant who became a Catholic. My mom was a Protestant. She divorced when I was very young. And so I, but I always knew my biological father, whom I had a good relationship with, and a stepfather. And both of them were very different men. And I love both of them. My stepfather was a former Navy man, and he was very strict, but he could love as well. I do understand, though, where people can have really bad experiences with fathers. That's true. It that doesn't mean that God the Father is bad. On the contrary. And that's what Let was a saving. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, it was a saving grace for me too, because I didn't grow up uh, in a religion per se, but I was allowed to go to Sunday school. So I always knew what my father looked like because I just assumed that was my father. God was my father, and that I had an earthly father too. But God was my real father, and that's who I really depended on. And I think it's also important for us to remember that we should not play so much to the lowest common denominator of pain and hurt, but on the contrary, bring the highest common denominator of God the Father to help heal people through his son, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Sheila, when we come back, we've just opened the can on this a little <laughs> bit as to why um, St. Joseph Radio's Man of the Year is so important. And it's actually grown. St. Joseph Radio is no longer just St. Joseph Radio. It's now St. Joseph Evangelization Network. It's been working the last five years, I think, with the Diocese of Orange directly on this Catholic Man of the Year. And this, I think, is the 16th uh, year since it started. When we come back, I want to know a little bit more about why you got involved with this. We're, you're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Sheila Beingessner. And we're talking about the Catholic Man of the Year for St. Joseph Evangelization Network and the Diocese of Orange, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today is Sheila Weingessner. And Sheila has been a good friend for many, many years. We go back a long way. When I first converted to the Catholic faith out of seminary, and I just left seminary, I had finished the Master's in Divinity. I was working on a, another Master's degree when I became Catholic, which, as I've always said, ruins your career as a Presbyterian minister. <laughs> One of the first places I was steered to was St. Joseph Radio, and Sheila met me there. I met Sheila there. And she guided me into to doing some speaking for some different parishes. And I've been I've known you now for for many years, and it is good to have you here. You have been involved for a number of years with Saint Joseph Radio and now Saint Joseph Evangelization Network, and they've been involved with Catholic Man of the Year, and you've been involved with that and instrumental behind it for all these years. Let's talk a little bit about this. First of all, what got you involved with Saint Joseph Radio? St. Joseph Evangelization Network. What hooked you? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That goes back a long way, at least uh, almost 30 years. But um, I had just become Catholic myself. Where did you come in from? I wasn't anything. I was a little pagan baby that... A little pagan baby. So what prayed for? (laughs) (laughs) That that I understand Catholics prayed for and and all that. So I think... (laughs) 
I am the fruit of my, your prayers. My producer is giving you the look like he <laughs> thinks he prayed for you. <laughs> um, well, that's, you know, when they say I really wasn't baptized anything, I attended as a small child a Sunday school, Grace Community Church. That okay. was sent to a Sunday school that was walkable that my mother would allow us to go to. So I knew a lot of things about the stories of Jesus, but I never really connected the dots yeah. that Jesus was. So you had a smattering. God. I never did. You had a smattering of Christianity when you were very young. Yes, yes. And there was, they gave out fishes, little charm fishes for everybody that you brought. Oh. And I made it a point. I was going to fill my little chain bracelet with fish. Okay. I brought everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Even though you weren't a member of the church. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. I just brought them so that I could earn my little fish. I just loved all those fish. So anyway, that's sort of, I did not know Christianity per se that, you know, you, you had to do anything. I just knew that, you know, we went to church when we were little. But then when we moved, I was in sixth grade and I just started going to church with whatever friend I had. And believe it or not, I would run into, I guess I just befriended a lot of Catholics and, um, I would go not knowing anything what they were doing, but my friends would try and tell me, when to kneel, yeah. when to sit, when in Rome, and make sure I had too. my little netting on top of my head. Okay. And I always went on Christmas for sure and Easter because our family didn't do that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And so I, I kind of knew a little bit. It wasn't scary. The Catholic Church wasn't okay. scary to me, but no, I definitely did not you. understand but it was anything very about it. It was not your culture. Christianity, no. Yeah. And then um, later when I saw a movie on TV that literally was telling me that it was the life of Christ and they were inferring that Christ was God. And I just thought a minute, I go, well, wait a minute. No, 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 that's not true. That can't be true because Christ is a man and my God is my father. And my God, my God, I depend on him for everything. And you are not going to tell me that he is a man because... I've had a lot of disappointments with men, and uh, that was not going to be... I, w- I couldn't mix the two. Yeah. I couldn't make my God yeah. be a man. And so I really was having a... An existential moment of... Well, uh, really a big... A crisis. Um, crisis in my thinking here, and w- did I really want to be a Christian or not? I said, maybe I need to become Jewish, because they have the same God, and I don't have to worry about don't Jesus worry anymore. Don't worry about Jesus anymore, yeah. So that's really what I was... Uh, dis- I was going to do is to look into Judaism. Running away from God to Judaism. Very and so that's when God gave me a dream uh-uh. that got me started. <laughs> anyway, my it's a long story, but the dream was I could not understand the dream at all. But my husband was telling me that he thought what he thought it was, and it was somehow telling me that Jesus was the only man that didn't make mistakes and that I could trust him. Wow. So, but the dream, the the dream also, my friends also had told me before that he would lead me to people. So I started inquiring about people that were involved in my dream, and whatever, and they all had nothing. They didn't couldn't figure out what I was talking about, and I thought, oh gosh. But the dream kind of explained to me that Jesus was perfect somehow, because. Him making the connection of answering me through Jesus, that God and Jesus knew each other. I got a letter from somebody that told me, I don't know what your dream means, but I real your letter to me asking all these questions 
meant the world to me. And now I realize that I need to get back to church because he says, people aren't perfect, but you need to be back in church. And I thought, wow, what is this? And then my neighbor knocked on my door and asked me if I'd like to come to a Bible study. And I said, why did you come to my door? (laughs) And I brought her in. I was reading the letter at the time that I'd gotten from my friend. And she said, I don't know, God, I'm having a little Bible study because a friend of mine wanted a Bible study. And God made me get out and invite the people on the block that, because we just moved into a track that nobody knew anybody. And she said, I was supposed to just invite everybody that was home, whether just to let, just to let them know about it and see if they'd come. And, and I scared the pants off of her when I said, why did you come to my door? <laughs> and she thought, oh, no. <laughs> Who did I get involved yeah, with? Yeah, <laughs> and of course, that's probably what people feel like when Jehovah's Witness come to their doors, like, oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah. But I went there, and it explained a lot to me. It started the ball rolling. I, he kept introducing me to people, and I thought, God somehow likes this Jesus guy. And if he's good enough to be a friend of God, he's going he's gonna to be my friend, too. Did you... End up into a parish with RCIA or something like that? No, it was before RCIA, RCIA became popular. But what happened is I volunteered to, our parish was doing youth uh, groups and they needed homes. Well, we had just moved into a home and we had a, a pretty nice big home, but no furniture. And I thought, well, I can volunteer my home yeah. and I'll just, no eat, furniture to break. Yeah. I'll just <laughs> eavesdrop on the teacher teaching the high school students <laughs> and I will learn a little bit about this faith. Because it was my husband's faith, not mine. He was a Catholic. And so uh, I uh, that's thought, too. yeah, so I thought, well, okay. You're being sanctified by your marriage. I, um, I just, I just listened and the teacher did not pay any attention to whether I was Catholic or anything. Mm-hmm. And she just had me helping her with the lesson plans. Uh. And I thought, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, well, you've been to Bible study. You know a lot. And so she said, why don't you go to the diocese and get approved to teach in the Catholic Church. And I thought, but I'm not Catholic. And she goes, well, just take the classes. So I did. And they answered a lot of questions that I needed and, you know, to hear. Yeah, yeah. As I was growing theologically, I would think. I and wish also that more people would take those kinds of classes. And so yeah. I just, it just grew from there. I, I just, I became Catholic. and So you're becoming Catholic then, um, without going into detail, how many years ago it was? How long after that did you get involved with St. Joseph Radio and the group that they probably maybe twelve years? Okay, so I was, was Catholic for twelve years. I was very active okay. at at my parish because every time I said, "Oh, why don't we do this?" I would read something in the Ligorian magazine. I said, "We should have this," and they go, "Okay, do it." <laughs> And I was, <laughs> you know, I was naive enough to, okay. Oh, I <laughs> think I'd fire more than naive. <laughs> so we had a family reunion inviting Catholics that hadn't been Catholic for a long time to back. Because the Bible studies that I was attending were a lot of ex-Catholics. And I couldn't believe it. Oh, yeah. It's I said, why aren't, why aren't you still Catholic? Yeah. And so I, we invited people that knew people like that to back for a big evening. And that soon became the coming home, Catholic coming home. Wow. So... That is so fantastic. It was a family reunion when we first started it, but that it became different. But so that that's how I did it. And I wondered why do I have to go all the way across town to a Catholic Bible study? Why can't we have one at our parish? So we started having one at our parish. So there was kind of selfish reasons, I guess. Some I didn't want to keep traveling all that way when there's a Catholic church right down the street from me. Why don't we have one here? There was a dynamic woman in Orange County named Lou Cortese who had formed a group 
that eventually became known as St. Joseph Radio, has moved most of its operation to uh, St. Louis, Missouri, where they continue operating as a, an evangelization network, doing a mm-hmm. lot of catechetical material, broadcast material, all sorts of stuff. I've been involved with it. You've been involved mm-hmm. with it for a long time. They do television programs what, now and video. What got you involved with with Lou and with them so that you ended up with Catholic Man of the Year? Well, a lot of it was right about the time the Catholic Catechism was coming out, and okay. there was a lot of that was about a lot of controversy Two about it, and everybody was saying, "Oh, just wait till they have the new the little catechisms that come out from it." You know, it's going to be very right. wordy and lengthy and all that. And so I had gone to a Magnificat breakfast, and the speaker was Father Fessio. Okay, Magnificat is a Catholic organization, and they have. Breakfast, breakfast and speakers every month, mm-hmm. and they usually have a speaker with this breakfast. Mm-hmm. They're regional, so there's I know there's one in San Diego. Oh, there's they're worldwide now. Yeah. They're worldwide now, right. and it's usually about every four months that they St. have. St. Joseph Radio has done a lot of taping of their yes. material. And so when Father Fessio and the other and Father Paco were there, saying that it's very readable, and yes, you should everybody every family should have one. I started that. And I started going to daily mass at a parish that was daily going through the catechism. Wow. The whole thing. Wow. And it was so popular that they did it again the following year. And I thought, this is really weird. But that's how I met Lou. And she just got me involved with helping her prepare for the speakers to come to different parishes. Lou is extremely dynamic and does a lot of of things. You're also very dynamic, but you do it in a very different style. <laughs> anyone who knows Lou knows exactly what I'm talking about. And anyone who knows you knows that you are, uh, you're not the bull in the china shop. You're going to make sure that everything comes out just right. And yet you will make sure that it comes out just right. Well, we both have the same, the thing that makes us kind of sisters is we both have the same goal. Yeah. And that's to evangelize Catholics in the pew. Because there's so many that just do not really understand or know their faith. Well, and that was really the catchphrase that caught me when I first started getting involved with St. Joseph Radio was they're not preaching to the choir so much. They're preaching to the Catholic in the pew who need to be re-evangelized. This is before John Paul was talking about the new evangelization. That's what Lou was doing with St. Joseph Radio. And it grew up here in, in the Diocese of Orange. And so it was local homegrown, and we were on the radio, On we were buying broadcast time, and then we had other time on EWTN, and we've had, um, it, it was a fantastic program. It has since moved then to Missouri, but we still have a contingent here. We still, I know, regularly tape the St. Luke's Society, which is uh, a group of physicians, doctors from the Orange County area mm-hmm. who meet and have speakers. We regularly tape uh, Thomas More. Mm-hmm. So there's a number of groups that we still tape for putting together catechetical material that mm-hmm. can be then used uh, from the West Coast, but throughout the world now. And we've been doing this Catholic Man of the Year really since, I think, 2005. Five. Mm-hmm. When we come back, I want to talk a bit more about what that's all about, because we're actually halfway through our program, and people need to know it's coming up March 22nd. And there's a lot of prepping that needs to happen between now and then. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm talking to Sheila Beingessner. We're talking about Catholic Man of the Year, which is coming up. And you can nominate someone to be Catholic Man of the Year. Find out how when we return. And 
Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today is Sheila Beingessner, who is deeply involved and has been for many years with Catholic Men of the Year. And the 2020 Catholic Men of the Year is going to be held on March 22nd at the Anaheim Marriott Suites here in Garden Grove, California. The tickets are going to be available. I think they're $100 a piece for a beautiful, wonderful dinner and a great evening. And more importantly, it's to support these men who are going through and the program behind recognizing these men who have uh, dedicated their lives to following Christ and have done so in ways that need to have attention drawn to them just a little bit. Sheila, I want to go there. So what is so inspiring to you about Catholic Man of the Year? Mainly just to see how all of these men live their faith. They live it. They still have jobs, but they have not divorced themselves from the, the responsibility of not just being the heads of their family, but being active in the church. They're concerned about the next generation. They're concerned about the poor in this generation, the needy. And all of these organizations, when they start listing the organizations, the very first man of the year that I went to, I was just awestruck because I did not realize how involved our church was in the secular world. All of the St. Vincent de Paul's, the food banks that we have, the Knights of Columbus who do their evangelization and their help with the disabled. I mean, you get blown away by the fact that your church is everywhere you know, and like me, I didn't grow up in the church, so I didn't really wasn't avail- aware of all these organizations. That is something but worth repeating for just yes. a moment. You have a dynamic body in the world that on behalf of Jesus Christ, who said, go show love to the world. Yes. There are a large number of people who are Catholic who are out showing love to the world, and they're doing it through organized groups from the Catholic Church. Yes. So as you mentioned, a few of them, St. Vincent de Paul yes. is out there. Um, some of the diocesan organizations are out there. Yeah, there's adoption agencies, Catholic adoption agencies. There's ones that go overseas and help the, the people overseas, Catholic charities. So we need these organizations. And I think that they were so much more important later. And I think maybe that's part of that, what we talked about earlier about the attack on fatherhood. I think with having the government take over too many things, people donating to these charities have stopped a little bit. They're struggling a little bit. And if they accept government help, then they have to accept the government rules. And a lot of times they differ. Right. Like Catholic charities could not, and so now they had to bow out of things like the adoption agencies because they will, they cannot follow those rules the abortion that's that's involved in some of the government funds or yeah. grants that you get, they can't apply for those anymore. We, so it's more and more urgent that people realize that these Catholic charities and other Christian charities can only survive if people continue to support them. And they do so much. I mean, that's that's really one of the important things here is there are a number of these organizations out there where in many areas they're the only groups doing some of this work. So you have areas that are be, the needs are being met by Catholic organizations. What you said earlier in the very beginning of the program about Tertullian, that's what struck me when you said that. He said, we're here in your face yeah. now. Yeah. We're what the world needs. And it is true. 
it sounds a little bombastic, but Christ needs to be in the church. He pointed out and said, look, all the stuff you're doing with your with your uh, gladiator fights and all of your theater productions with the sex stuff that's going on, all that stuff is awful and you got to get rid of it because Christianity is where it's at and Christianity is about love, not about taking. And it's about trying to create a better society, not one that takes from people and kills people. Yeah. And he was saying, and, and you need this and you're going to find out you need this. He was he was absolutely fearless, especially when he first began. And it's an attitude that I think needs to, to come back. One of the things that we see in St. Joseph Radio's Catholic Man of the Year, the Orange County Catholic Man of the Year, is an encouragement for men who are doing that and who are men who are involved in those organizations. Some of them are men who have founded and are leading these organizations. Some of these men who are being honored are people who have been very loyal, diligent worker bees. Yeah, I think the the one of the main things, too, is that to show people, because it, it's to honor these men, yes, but it's to honor these men because of how they show how the glory of God is working through people, let's ordinary talk, people. Let's talk about a, a couple of them. Some of these are, are what you would call ordinary, as you mentioned. Some of them are very accomplished men who are very humble. And, and while those are two sides of a coin, they're both very similar in some ways. Mm-hmm. God uses everybody, and he uses their talents accordingly. So the, the variation that we get when we have men of the year is v- extremely a lot. But when the voting comes, it's very close because it's re- the results so, of what they do. And it's also the result of them listening to God and really doing what God really wants them to do. Because sometimes people will say, I can't do that. And God says, all I want is a vessel. I'll do the rest. I'll make the rest of it happen. And that's what, kind of how they get involved. Two years ago, the Catholic Man of the Year was a, a physically challenged person who whose attitude and, and activity was so inspiring for everyone to, to see. People were crying at that yes. dinner. Last year, it was a very different person. It was a, a lawyer? Yes, but he was Tell also... me a little bit about him. How could, how could a lawyer <laughs> say, there's going to be one in heaven, really? I wish, I, wish we could have ha- I wish we could have him here to speak for himself. We actually had a couple of lawyers that were nominated. Yes. They've done some wonderful things in Orange County and throughout the I'm world. I'm telling you, they all... like. We were talking about everybody has their own story, and this particular gentleman, yes, he he had himself a very strong father, and he attributes a lot of his, and he's a convert. Mm -hmm. Don is a convert. So he contributes a lot of his attitude towards life that way, and his father came home, or he came home from school and he had an A, but his twin brother didn't. And he got in trouble because if his twin brother didn't get an A, why didn't he help his brother study more? <laughs> I think if it was sort of that way. And also his other friends, he, he was B, he made it his point to help those in the class since obviously education was easy to him. I mean, it came easy for him. So he helped others. He would tutor other people so that they could get good grades. And so it started out very early for him also, but that spirit of helping people just stayed with him no matter what his, he chose for himself in life. But he, he, he has a very strong prison ministry. He has a very strong ministry with, um, Isaiah house, which is feeding and helping with, the poor with youth in the past. Yeah. He's done a and, lot to... and just educating his fellow, uh, lawyers by, you know, helping to bring speakers to them 
at lunchtime. Part of the I mean, it's so it's it's Thomas how Morse God, yeah. how you listen to God, and what you because He's given everybody gifts, and some of them are just very humble gifts. I know there was another nominee that same year that was another lawyer who has been involved with with uh, organizing groups to bring water to different in different villages in Africa. Yes, where they are able to have wells drilled and water brought so that for a very small amount of money they're able to bring good drinking water to yes. these villages and it's it's not understood how important that is but these there are those kinds of leaders that are there but there are also there were people that were there who were also just people who set up chairs every yes. week yes. for different organizations and they're there every week to make sure it happens they it's, don't get any we, for yeah it. we don't know how god speaks to people but it's we do see when they tell their story, we see how God has worked in them. Even the ones that have been maybe on drugs and away from the church for a while, mm -hmm. and they come back and they're on fire. And they're the only ones who can reach others that are on drugs and are in those down areas. So they have a ministry that they go out and they touch those lives. God uses us in healthy ways. We don't have a mechanism in the Catholic Church to quietly recognize these people because there, there is no cash award that goes with this. There is nothing but a, a little plaque and a, a recognition amongst people. But they have a night where they're being, their example is being highlighted, not just for them. And in fact, one of the things that struck me when I first got involved with St. Joseph Radio and been involved with it in the Catholic Man of the Year, one of the things that struck me was, these men are so reluctant to have their stories told, but they're willing to have it done because it might help someone else be inspired to do that, something I was else. about to tell you that, Rick. Sometimes I have to twist people's arms a little bit because I say, look, we need you to be humble enough to allow others to see how God works through people because that personal witness and that personal story is what inspires others the most. And I think our Pope and... A lot of bishops will tell you the same thing. Personal eyewitnesses are the things that can be the best evangelization tool. That's why we feel it's a help to parishes to let us honor these men. And then they can afterwards advertise and let them speak to their youth. Well, and th these, I mean, it, it gives them a, their, a chance to tell their story. These men generally are very humble. They don't want to have a lot of attention paid to them, but they have to be reminded every once in a while. Don't let your humility become a source of pride. That's a good phrase. I like that. <laughs> where, where by allowing your story to be told by others for a particular educational purpose, others, especially young men, others may be inspired to follow in yes. your footsteps. Because when people, when young men, let's say they pass through confirmation and then they're off to college, that's when most of them lose a lot of their faith or at least the practice of it. There's and then sometimes they that. come back. Yeah, sometimes they come back after marriage and at the baptism of their youth or your, their children, but not always. But I think these men getting up there talking about how they are living their faith right now, even though they're busy raising families and have a an outside job that they need to do, a secular job, but that gives kids an example of a superhero beyond what they see in the secular world. What a lot of people don't realize is, well, first of all, let me back up for a moment. These are all lay people. These are not priests or, or deacons. These are some all. Some can be deacons because be deacons. some of their volunteer work is not okay. related to None them. of these are priests. These aren't bishops. These are not people who's, who 
his career is the church. Mm-hmm. Everyone that's involved in this is is um, in the secular world in some way. This is an opportunity to be able to then look at these people who are ordinarily not the first people you think of when you think of servants of God. You're normally thinking of people in robes. And these are the average ordinary people. This is where we have the house churches. And these are the priests of the house churches. These are the fathers who are helping to raise holy families. And these are the examples of what they're giving their families. Yes. When we come back, Sheila, we've got one more section. We've got an opportunity to, to invite people to volunteer their men to be recognized and how they can get involved in doing this. And I think it would be exciting for some people to be able to do that on behalf of someone very deserving. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today is Sheila Beingessner. We're talking about Catholic Man of the Year. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how you can nominate a very deserving man to be recognized as a Catholic Man of the Year. We will be right back. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. We are on a beautiful campus here in Garden Grove at Christ Cathedral. And with me today, and I'm going to pause for a moment to say thank you, thank you, thank you. With me today is Sheila Bynister. And Sheila has been with us uh, several times over the years, mostly to talk about Catholic Man of the Year. But we've talked about a couple of other things over the years. Most of it's been about this because this is so important to you and to the diocese. For the last uh, several years now, we've had partnership with the Diocese of Orange so that we've had um, one of the bishops has been present to be able to give out the awards yeah. to the men. We've, I think all but maybe one, we've had a bishop there. And then we had a special Monsignor do one with, with the bishop's permission since there was none, none, none of the bishops were going to be able to be present. And one of the things <laughs> I want to also kind of clarify a little bit, and maybe we should talk a little bit about what happens that evening. Every one of the men who've been nominated by their parish or by their organization is honored as a Catholic Man of the Year. And their biography is briefly read. The highlights are hit. People Mm. get to know this person. They see this person. They all are a Catholic Man of the Year. From amongst that group, there is an example of examples that is recognized. And as you said, it's often extremely close. Any one of them could have been chosen. Oh, definitely, definitely. And it comes down to, but this is not just for one person. This is for all these people, and they're all recognized. You have 300 people at this dinner. Yes. You have 30 tables with 25 to 30 people that are being recognized as a Catholic Man of the Year from different parishes and organizations. So tell me, Sheila, how does this work? We've got a deadline coming up shortly, March 9th. March 9th is the deadline to have their, um, their nominee forms in. Okay. So So that involves some, some work a little bit. Yes. Well, the forms have been revised quite a bit. So it's a lot easier to get all the information. Uh, Basically, we just need the nominees, a little short paragraph or half a page of what inspires them and why they do what they do. And another little, half page from the sponsor saying what they saw in this man to want to nominate them. You know, what are the qualities? And basically sticking around that whole St. Joseph theme of his values for family, for the church, evangelization, and the protection. uh, So an explanation as to why they're going to be nominated. 
They need a couple of other signatures, though. A couple they other need, people to sign off on this yes. person. Now, anyone can nominate, and a single person can nominate, or a Catholic organization, or a name hospital a, name can nominate. Name a couple nominate. of organizations you're thinking of. Oh, St. Vincent de Paul, Catholic Charities. Okay. Knights of Columbus. Knights of Goods. Columbus is a big one. First Friday Friars. Okay. We have St. Thomas More Society, which Saint is Luke the Society judges and St. Okay. Luke as doctors. The Magis Center has um, volunteers in it. Almost in the Shroud Center, Santiago Retreat Center. Okay. So we have Orange County Catholic Foundation. I'm, now they're popping into yeah, my mind. So there's organizations that can nominate someone to. They still need the signature of their pastor to say that they're a Catholic in good standing. Okay, so we, we do have a we check on this. We do have that. Yeah. And then an individual. We've had several individuals just nominate St. Dismas Guild was just nominating, and that's nominating a person. We had just a person that was belonged to a little home group, and uh, he nominated the man that organized all of them, and they were all families that had an autistic child that they were dealing with. Mm-hmm. So different small and large organizations or even just an individual. You might be at someone at Mass, and you have noticed unbeknownst of a lot of other people, maybe you've been a part of several organizations and you always notice this gentleman there early setting up chairs, mm-hmm. taking them down, getting things ready. Maybe he helps with the cleanup. It's just someone that you always see this person at events that are, that's helping the church in general. You might just want to recognize him. And so you would nominate him. You would see if the priest or the pastor would sign off on him. And that would be great. I would love to see all of the parishes individually nominate someone from their parish. We've had a parish that's been represented by three nominees only because that organization that nominated him was from that parish. Okay. The parish nominated somebody from that, from their own parish. And then the Knights of Columbus Nominated someone, and he happened to attend that, that parish. That parish. <laughs> Crisillo is another one that they have people in a lot of different parishes, hey, so they can <laughs> they can nominate a person, and he may be the third person from that parish that was nominated, and that's great because that parish has three people to be used as an evangelization tool for their youth, and so they're, they're be held, they should be held up and written about in their bulletins and come to an evening to meet our man, men of the year or our man of the year. And that man can explain his story a little bit and what it meant for him to be recognized. I want to continue on with the process just for a moment. So once they have their paperwork in, there's a committee and you've got several people that are involved with this and they read every one of these and they look yes. through all of the the things that they're talking about. And then they discuss and make decisions about how they rank these people? No, no. no. How does it's a little work? different. We do have a committee. We uh, judging the judges that I pick, I, I ask, and sometimes they're past nominees. Sometimes they're, I try to get a large variety, women and men and clergy and lay people. And one Saturday we sit and they all take each application and read it. And they, there's a numbering system that they use to number. Oh, so they rank. And then it's when everything's done and said, I take them home. My husband, being an accountant, helps me to add with his adding machine. He's very fast, and I'm not. <laughs> He's an actuary. And we have a written record of everything, and we total up all the totals. Okay. And somehow that's how the Holy Spirit is involved, because 
Some people judge high, some people judge lowly, but somehow someone comes out, and sometimes it's only a point ahead, but someone's always at least one point ahead. If we've ever end up in a tie... I don't know what we'll do, but we'll have to figure out. Joseph we'll have to have maybe, to yeah, maybe we'll just have a double winner that year. I don't know, but we've it's been successful so far that there's always been one that seems to be either a point ahead or two points, something like that. For people who are interested in doing this, then they I know that the Diocese of Orange has on their website rcbo.org, rcbo Roman Catholic Bishop of Orange, dot org. They have a a page that is dedicated to the Catholic Man of the Year, so they can go there and get some information, but we can save them a shortcut. We can just tell it right now. Yes. They can also go to www.stjosephradio.net. That's www.stjosephradio, all together, and it's no abbreviations. Yes. It's S-A-I-N-T-J-O-S-E-P-H-R-A-D-I-O. So very long, stjosephradio.net, and they could get the the information there. Mm-hmm. You can also call 714-744-0336, and is that a message number? That, well, that goes right that goes, into the uh, Missouri office. That's the, That goes, even though it's a 714 number, yes, it'll take you to the Missouri office. Okay, so it's a local number, but it would actually, that's... I recognize that number from many, many years ago. You've had that number for That's years. That's the orange number. That's the, the number you've number, had yes. for, for St. Joseph Radio. And then 636-446-6000. And that's the number also for, for the office down there. Yeah. So people who are interested, they need to get the paperwork in time to meet the deadline of March 9th. So if you're listening to this in middle February, you need to access that today, tomorrow, mm-hmm. the next day, but shortly. To start getting the ball rolling because we all know our priests are busy and you got to get father's signature. Yes, we have. We've mailed out applications to all of the parishes, so they should. The parishes should have the applications, as well as we've mailed out last week all of the invitations, the formal invitations. So they have the information. Sometimes they just need the legwork. They need a layperson from the parish right. to help them spot. Sometimes um, someone on the parish staff can right. suggest a name, or even a parishioner can just suggest a name. This is a, a great opportunity to be able to have someone who you know from your parish who is just doing everything and really should be held up, not just for their sake, though it's nice to be able to do it for their sake, but so that their example can be seen, especially by the, the boys and men of the parish, to be mm-hmm. able to see this is what we do as followers of Jesus Christ and as men who are followers of Jesus Christ, we take St. Joseph as our example, someone who hears his call from God and acts on it. And we need, we definitely need more men role models in our church. Um, We have them, but we need them to be visually available for our youth if we're going to evangelize properly so that these youth grow up knowing that when they become fathers, it doesn't their their allegiance to the church doesn't stop; it should continue. So, just to make sure that our listening audience, especially all of you who are involved in parishes and Catholic organizations, most specifically within the Diocese of Orange, though there have been groups that have been involved with Orange in tangential ways that you could bring on board as well. 
the bottom line is if they're serving anyway, Catholics in Orange County, they're eligible to be recognized. This is an opportunity. The deadline to be able to do that is March 9th, which means you need to get that information underway now. And then the dinner is going to be March 22nd. You can find the application information either through the Diocese of Orange, their website, rcbo.org, or you can go to stjosephradio.net. St. Joseph Radio is all run together as three complete words, no abbreviations, with no spaces in between, stjosephradio.net. And, or they can call 714-744-0336 and they can get that information. 714-744-0336. The other thing I'll point out is when you go to the St. Joseph website, go to the homepage, and they'll have a little thing that says Catholic Man of the Year, and you click on the one for California. That's true. They have one in Missouri. Because Missouri well. has a Man of the Year, too. So click on the California Man and of the, the Year. The bishop there is going to be involved with that one. Yes, Archbishop. Sheila, this is... Archbishop, my apologies. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's important, though. <laughs> Sheila, thank you so very much for coming on and you're giving welcome. us your... Thank you for having me, Rick. It's I been a pleasure. I deeply appreciate having you on every time you're here. Would you please bookend us by leading us in a closing word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your involvement in our world. And we thank you as our Heavenly Father. And really, the inspiration that you give us as Father, we wish to expose the world to. We ask for your blessings for all the men that are involved and for all of your priests. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you have been listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today has been Sheila Beingessner on behalf of St. Joseph Evangelization Network. And we've been talking about Catholic Man of the Year, which is done in conjunction with the Diocese of Orange. If you would like to get this information out to other people, you can do so by having them download our podcast from occatholic.com and go to the radio tab. And when you tab there, there's about eight programs the mothership is OC Catholic, and that will have all the podcasts we've done for the last several years, including this one. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. On behalf of all of us here, may God give you a rich and fulfilling day, and we will see you again next week.